My name is Matt Brown. Minnesota Vikings. What happened? How to lose to New York Giants. See ya. And let's start the show. Cook puts it down. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good! 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 The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have won it! They have come back from 27-0 to win the game and move on! How good is that? What is going on, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, January 18th. 2023 and we had quite a weekend of football to discuss we had a live stream take place on monday night which was a big success and we're looking ahead to a really intriguing divisional weekend ahead but before we give you so much joy and happiness while informing you with what's going on in the world of football, just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdConvoPod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Thank you to Dolo. Ren, aka Alex DeJesus, for making that content all possible. So this was a hell of a weekend in the world of football, a hell of a wild card weekend. Desmond said himself, most of these games, well, half of them suck and they're going to be tough to watch and you want to bulge your eyes out and all that. But it turned out each and every single one of the game has something to it. It really did. Whether it's the third biggest comeback in NFL history, where by the time it was the first half, nobody, and I mean nobody, thought that they were actually going to come back, and they did. Down 27 nothing, the Jaguars came back to win it. One of the greatest comebacks in NFL history, one of the greatest comebacks in postseason history, and how could you not have enjoyed that if you're a football fan? We had the Seahawks and the Dolphins, who were major underdogs, actually put up a fight, taking leads in their respective games. And we also had the Ravens and Bengals that at one point could have gone either way. And of course, the game of the weekend. Yes, we have some bias, but it really was a lot of fun to watch. The Giants taking out the Minnesota Vikings, winning 31-24. And you see Daniel Jones just... Push, push, push. And Daniel Jones shuts his haters down. Saquon Barkley has a great game, even with just having nine carries. The defense held their own, especially with having Justin Jefferson only have, what, 43 yards in the entire game, seven catches, and only one catch in the second half. Again, we're going to go in-depth with all these games. We're going to look ahead to the divisional matchups ahead. We all know that the divisional weekend is one of the best weekends in football, if not the best. It's always a guaranteed good time, so let's guarantee you 
a great time listening to this podcast. The productive NFL crew is here. Alex Ranelio, Alex Young, Desmond Price, and Brian McKeon. Let's review the six Super Wildcard Weekend matchups. Let's preview and talk about the four divisional matchups this weekend. And let's have a great time doing it. I also just wanted to take the time to thank all of you who tuned in to our first ever live stream, The Productive Cast, live on our YouTube channel. It was a success. Only a few technical issues at the very beginning. And then once we got it fixed and settled, we were rolling. Absolutely rolling. And you know there's going to definitely be some live streams in the future now. The Productive Cast, I'm going to have to patent that. So first Productive Cast was a success. So we'll even talk about that a little bit. But again... We're here to review wildcard weekend, preview divisional weekend, and enjoy every single moment with it. So it's your guys' turn once again, Alex, Desmond, Brian, and Alex. Let's get to it. Let's talk some football. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. Fresh out the box. Stop looking, watch, get ready, get set, because it's the Productive NFL Podcast here. Straight off of our first ever Productive Cast, we watch one game together. We're going to review the other five, going to look ahead to the next four. So, yes, let's review Super Wildcard Weekend, and it was very, very interesting. Uh, Desmond wasn't wrong when he said the games at first looked bad on paper, but I think at least each game had something to it. And we'll obviously get more into it. And again, as we look ahead and preview the next four divisional rat matchups, it's going to be a lot of fun. So with us is Alex Ranelia, Brian McKee, and Desmond Price. Alex Young will join us momentarily. What is up, gentlemen? Wild Card Weekend. Another one in How the books. Doing? How about it? How are we doing, everyone? Wonderful weekend of football. It really was. It really, yes. really was. Yes, yeah. sir. So let's get to it. Let's uh, reflect on another great wildcard weekend. So it all started on Saturday afternoon out in San Francisco. I even know what's it, what's it called? Santa Cruz, California, technically. Santa Clara. Santa Clara. Santa this, Santa that, all of that. But anyways, out in Silicon Valley, we saw... The San Francisco 49ers take on the Seattle Seahawks. San Francisco was the NFC West champions. The Seahawks were a wildcard team. And a very, very interesting first half. In fact, very intriguing. And, and the Seahawks were leading at half. And then all of a sudden, it went back to reality, and the, C- and the San Francisco 49ers ran away with it. They went 41-23. to they get another ticket into the NFC divisional round, and they're going to host that game against um, Dallas. But for this game itself, guys, what is what do you really get out of it? From is it Brock Purdy's four touchdowns? Is it, he's still undefeated? Is it the fact that the Seahawks didn't make a push? And if it wasn't for Geno Smith making a fumble in the 49ers red zone, that maybe they had a chance to win it all. Um. Lots to take in. Christian McCaffrey, nice to see him have a great playoff game and staying healthy as well. Um, the return of Elijah Mitchell, uh, I think, is going to help this offense a little more as well. Uh, very, very good stuff in this game, even though the it was it was a um, it was definitely a tale of two halves. So, what did you guys get out of it right away from the 49ers and Seahawks matchup? So, 
while watching this, um, I took two things away. Brock Purdy is legit in the playoffs right now. He can, you know, deal with the stress and the pressure um, and could elevate people around him um, better than Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion. The throws he's making um, in this game and the decisions and his mobility, um, you know, he's really stepping up and playing to what they need and over over the expectations that they have set for him. So kudos to him. Um, but what I really took from this was from the losing team, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, yeah, they, this was a, you know, ahead of schedule. They shouldn't have been in this wild card position, but um, they played great in the first half. And against a team like San Francisco, you have to play perfect. You can't turn the ball over or momentum will swing. The defense will shut you down. And then, you know, a quick lead gets you turns into you getting obliterated. Um, and that's what happened with the fumble. Um, and then followed by, you know, because it was a touchdown, a fumble, a touchdown, a punt, then a touchdown, an interception. You can't recover from that, um, you know, for Seattle. And it's hard to do that. But they fought hard. Um, and they have promise. They show promise for, you know, next season if they get some pieces, you know, re-sign Gino, get some draft capital. So I like what I see from both these teams right now. You want to go next, Alex? Uh, sure. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's a lot along the lines of what Brian said. I thought that this really, of course, was a tale of two halves. It was pretty evident in, you know, both the statistics and the, the overall score. I thought that, um, you know, Gino definitely rose and shone. He shows that he basically solidified that he is going to be a starting quarterback for this team unless they're just ragingly stupid um, to not move forward with him. He's earned, you know, he's earned that right as a starter. Um, they're certainly ahead of schedule in terms of what we thought was going to be a rebuilding team throughout the beginning of the year. Uh, at least I thought that as well. Um, but San Fran, you know, it's just they're just out talented, outmanned, um, outmanning Seattle throughout this game. They won time of possession. Um, they won all the statistical categories that were uh, important on the offense. And Brock Purdy was able to just ride the train, you know, stay out of his own way. Um, he made the plays that he needed to. I thought Kyle Shanahan, you know, dialed up a really good game plan and made, you know, the the the, um, the precise adjustments that were needed um, going into the second half, and it played out in the score in the scoreboard. So I thought that this is the best team, not only in the NFC, but possibly in the league uh, going into the playoffs. And I definitely feel the same way, just more reinforced as such um, at the, the closing of this game. Excellent point, Chanelli. Especially the fact of the matter is that the that the 49ers look like a force to be reckoned with. And whomever that team wants to and whomever is going to make a push for the NFC to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, they're definitely going to have to get through San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you when you just take the stats away for a second, you just look at the eye test. The San Francisco 49ers look like the best team in the NFL. Like they're like they feel complete. You don't really see too many weaknesses there. And, and if you are going, and any team can be beat, but if you are going to beat this team, you don't have to show up with a top five defense, but you can't show up with a bottom five defense, which is what the Seattle Seahawks did. You know, Gotta this is a team perfectly. who was 25th in points against this year out of 32 teams. They were 28th in yards allowed out of 32 teams. And the offense, you know, Gino. Seattle Seahawks, they put up 23 points against the 49ers. Not bad, all things considered, but like the 49ers literally like double upped them in rushing. Like McCaffrey had double the rushing yards that, you know, Kenneth Walker had. 49ers just looked dominant on offense. The Seahawks were never going to really be able to challenge them. And, you know, I know we'll get to this later in the episode, but I'm very interested to see 
how the 49ers look against a better team. Because if you look back at their schedule now, they've been playing just subpar talent for like three months straight. Like their last true test was against Kansas City. They lost that game. They've won every game since then, but they've been playing inferior opponents. So I'm really interested to see how they stack up against a better team in the Cowboys this week. And real quick, Matt, you know, real quick, Matt, too, like that's a good point, Desmond. They, they've been home essentially for three months, um, which is really, you know, kind of a testament to both their their team, but also their schedule. But, yeah, I thought this um, just in the pregame um, warm-up that we did two weeks back, I thought that a big key to this game was Kenneth Walker. Can he extend drives for this team and, you know, take some pressure off Geno to make every single play? And he just came up a little too short for us. Didn't work this time, but joining us now is Alex Young. Good to see yeah. you, Alex. What's up, guys? Sorry, No, you're good. Talking 49ers and Seahawks. How'd you feel about it? Uh, it was what I expected. Um, you know, I, I would love to see a little bit better from Gino, but uh, you know, see kind of a upset story happen. But 49ers just too good. Uh, like I said in our prediction, they're so deep, and Purdy just did Purdy things and beat up that defense. So it was what I was expected. I know they, you know, the 49ers came up with a slow start, but they turned it around as they usually did. And yeah, just pretty much whooped the, the Seahawks. Yeah. Well, thing to mention too, and we'll get more with, and um, we'll wrap it up here and then could talk more 49ers again when we talk about their divisional matchup, but Brock Purdy mentioned by a couple of gentlemen in this chat, I think Brock Purdy shows that he could be a starting quarterback for real now. I mean, he at least should be the starting quarterback, of the 49ers um, going into next season. Trey Lance. Sorry. That's just the name of the game. And, uh, um, Jimmy G's definitely going somewhere else if it's whether it's the Jets or any of the other teams that are mentioned, but it seems like the Jets are a real popular one. But Brock Purdy, he must he impressed you as much as he impressed me overall and for the future ahead. Absolutely. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know we were kind of waiting to see if Jimmy G was going to come back in, the, in this playoffs and, and, you know, giving him back to rest. But right now, just ride the hot hand. You don't even need Jimmy G right now. You just got to keep on rolling with Purdy. He's he's killing it. He hasn't shown a weakness. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't have one, but he hasn't shown it yet. So, I mean, there, there'd be no need to go away from him since he's had such a string of excellence start of his career so far. I would wait. I would wait to see because you know when guys don't have tape on 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 a certain guy, it's very easy to thrive and succeed. And he's in the best possible situation right now with the coach and the roster. So I would give it another six to eight starts next year to see how he how he fares. But right now, as of this assessment, he has no weaknesses. I would say this: he really hasn't played a quality pass rush yet in his starts. Um, outside of. I'm looking at the commanders right now. So going against Dallas, that might be the difficulty spot. Actually, the difficulty spot, you know, against a very good pass rush. Um, seeing him, you know, making decisions under duress, having to step up in the pocket. But the good thing with the 49ers is their offensive line is incredible. So, yeah, they also yeah. have that <laughs> bare form too. So, All right. So moving on to the other game that took place last Saturday – Oh, I love history-making games. So, late in the second quarter, in this matchup of the Chargers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, there was a point where it was 27-0, and Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions in the first half. And yet, I don't know what happened. 
Even if Peyton Manning says halftime adjustments, who really does halftime adjustments? Something took place in that locker room. They went into the second. They went into the uh, second half down twenty-seven to seven. Still a major, major hole to climb out of, and they pulled it off. The Jacksonville Jaguars won it thirty-one to thirty. On they top it off with a final Riley Patterson thirty-six yard field goal. And Jacksonville gets a huge playoff victory. Trevor Lawrence um, continues his Saturday undefeated streak. Doug Peterson shows that, wow, he really is a great coach in this league. And the Chargers, who were fighting and pushing through the whole season, get to the position, have an early exit. Looks like Brandon Staley is out here. At the time of this recording, they fire their offensive coordinator. It seems like it's only a matter of time that Brandon Stanley is next. Or we'll know. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. But Jacksonville Jaguars pull off the third biggest upset, uh, third biggest comeback in NFL history. And how can you not like this game? Did every single one of you think it was over by half? I certainly did. I think we all were laughing. If you go back to the receipts in the group chat, I said the Jaguars will win this game. <laughs> oh, man. Were you I mean, drunk you know or high when it. you said that? Uh, neither. Neither. The, my issue is that, you know, Brandon Staley just is not a good game time decision coach, and he makes outlandish game play calls throughout the game that while you have a lead of this, uh, you know, caliber, you shouldn't be calling. Like, this, this is when Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly should have got in the second half each at 15 carries and not thrown the ball around where, you know, you got to control time and possession. And they couldn't do that. And then once Jacksonville started humming, you know, you, they got complacent, the Chargers. That's the issue. And then once, you know, you're on your heels, someone pushes you over, it's really easy to fall. And that's what happened right there. It was a very slippery slope. Um, but also, like, Jacksonville is built like this. They're a... Uh, Blue collar, hard nosed team. They have player. They have great players, um, and they, you know, they they believe in their coach, and they, you know, they believe in what the, you know, everything that's going on down there, and the, you know, home field advantage definitely, you know, kicked in here, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're the Falcons, whether you're the Colts, now whether you're the Chargers. Why is it taking so many teams so long to realize no lead is safe, run the ball more often, and make sure you chew that clock out so you win this game? A now third a third fatal example of that within the last five years. Ugh. Well, I think I, I don't mean to jump in here, but I think that they they kind of packed it in and got too conservative in the second half. They mm-hmm. kind of got away from their identity, almost overreacted preemptively coming out of the uh, the locker room. I thought that. Again, I, I'm still putting, you know, 80% of the blame at the feet of Brian Staley, but I think it's for the opposite reasons. I think that they just got too complacent, too conservative, and I think they got away from what makes them uh, what makes them great. And it doesn't help that Eckler's in a contract year where he's kind of not playing for his contract, and that's been kind of representative in all the games and the production that he's put forward in the past 18 weeks. So I just thought that this was kind of an epic collapse. Um, it's very Chargers-esque, and... Um, you know, it just it just goes to show you that, you know, again, what not only just the tale of two halves, but, um, uh, you know, no lead is safe. And uh, Trevor Lawrence looks like the real deal. Yeah, I was going to say, I completely agree with Alex. Our, our thread, our chat thread is hilarious. Uh, pretty much <laughs> Desmond goes too soon and says, one of us picked the Chargers, wasn't you guys. 
<laughs> and Alex responded, total choke job by Jags. And then Brian comes in, like you said, with the receipts. Jags will win. Comeback season. Let's go, Jags. <laughs> uh, so, Pops yeah. just pulled it out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, it was just – I don't think any of us saw this happening other than Brian somehow. Again, he's the weird – predictor of things and events of, of this of this of the production of the football team but uh, <laughs> i try yeah i mean I, I agree with what alex said it was very weird that the chargers switched up their game plan at halftime to not doing what was working well and not trying to kill and play chew clock um and dominate time of possession uh they were just felt like they were rushing and you know, we all thought Trevor Lawrence should get benched, but then he quickly showed us why he was the first overall pick and probably one of the best quarterbacks, uh, young quarterbacks in the league. He just, you know, kept on firing, kept the confidence, uh, didn't let it deter him, and he just got this team back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was just shocked with this game plan for the Chargers coming out of the half. They literally gave this game away to Jacksonville by not, you know, trying to dominate time of possession or – try to take some shots or be more aggressive or doing what was working in the first half when you're up 20 plus points. Uh, so yeah, just an epic collapse by the chargers, but, but kudos to Jacksonville. I mean, your quarterback throws multiple picks. Usually your defense is tired. They're gassed. They all stuck in there. They all were clutching the whole second half and, and Lawrence just, you know, kept his confidence. He didn't let those picks deter him and uh, everyone just, you know, rallied behind him. And, you know, this is why they are where they are right now. So impressive win all around by Jacksonville. I'll definitely mention this in the fact that when you have such a star caliber quarterback like Justin Herbert and the ability of his arm, it's such an advantage that sometimes it becomes a disadvantage, and that is not being a balanced team. You know, you see a ton of quarterbacks in the offense that they are placated to their one strength, and then it takes years for it to become balanced again. Look at Green Bay. Green Bay, it took five years to get the Aaron Rodgers-led offense to a balanced offense, almost a more run-dependent offense this season. And it's the first season that we really didn't see it humming between them and not really a good record on that part. So it's like trying to stay balanced in these game-time decisions, um, you know, of going conservative with a lead, but then going away from what you're good at it really, in my opinion, falls on the head coach of not in the offseason, you know, applying, you're not applying, um, what's the word, um, addressing, you know, the elephant of the room of this is our weak link. It's the run game. We need to learn how to actually, you know, control games with the run game and not dinking and dunking and, you know, deep passes over the middle and stuff like Herbert knows best. So, yeah, it's definitely a learning lesson for them. You know, it's I'm not there's not a whole lot to add here, you know. Don't got a whole lot of meat left on the bone, but I'll just say this. I think that this is another classic example of a coaching staff getting too caught up in ego and arrogance. Like, you know, from playing football that you are at a disadvantage if the defense can predict what you're going to do. And when you consistently just drop back and pass again and again and again and again, the defense knows what's coming. And then you get held out to only three points in the second half with literally another three points would have been the difference in the game for the Chargers. Also, going away from the run. There was just, there was no advantage to that. Like even if you're only getting a couple yards per carry, you're still keeping the clock moving. You might get a couple extra first downs that you didn't get from all the drop passes the Chargers had. You know, at a certain point, I know that this offensive coordinator got fired for being a scapegoat, but because they're trying to keep the the head coach. I mean, they're going to keep the head coach. They wouldn't have fired the offensive coordinator if they were going to fire the head coach. So 
it, it's it should fall on him, but we're gonna get another year of mediocrity out of the Chargers, which I guess if you're a Chargers fan, you know, that sucks for you. For the three that are out there and are proud of it. Well, like I said, impressive win for Jacksonville. This is a team that is, as everybody said, they have a great future ahead. And why don't they, you know, why not? Anything's possible for the future. And we'll talk more about them with their game against Kansas City. But hats off to Jacksonville. And uh, we know major changes are coming for the Los Angeles Chargers. Now let's talk about this game. The Buffalo Bills played the Minnesota, Minnesota, the Miami Dolphins. They won only 34 to 31 at one point. What was it? I think it was the spread after Skylar Thompson was brought in was 13 and a half points. And the, and at first you thought, wow, maybe Miami does have a chance in this running the ball. Well, using their great receivers that they have. Um, Buffalo having major holes on defense. Uh, Buffalo really struggling at one point. Ultimately, the the uh, Bills, I guess, snapped out of it in front of their home crowd. And on top of some very questionable play calling and clock management skill and clock management issues that the Dolphins had, ultimately the Bills pulled it off. And um, it helps having Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis touchdowns on top of that. But it was it was ugly. It was long. But uh, the Bills pulled it off. My question to start, if you're having a tough time against this Bills team, starting a third string quarterback with um, many questions um, uh, with a with a. Uh, team that was really slipping through the mud in the second half of the season um what exactly went wrong here and we'll we'll talk about how they can match up with their divisional game against Cincinnati next uh this weekend but what went wrong with the Bills first of all how could they let this game get so close that it was well I think it's the continued issue with Buffalo this season and it's Josh Allen Josh Allen is currently the weakest link of the Buffalo Bills right now and their best link at the same time. Um, He's this amazing, flashy player. He could use his legs. He could throw the ball the entire football field length, amazing touchdowns. But he makes poor decisions, risky throws. He causes interceptions, you know, a lot of interceptions this season. Um, He had, you know, 14, which is second most in the NFL this season. Um, and if you look at the play-by-play for this game, you know, Buffalo was – it was 17-0, to zero at, you know, at one point. And then, you know, Miami had a field goal interception, another field goal, a punt field goal interception, a touchdown, and you're tied up going into the half. Um, and then Buffalo got that field goal again to get the lead. But, you know, 17 unanswered points by a mediocre Miami team just because of the quarterback play, you know, against a team like the Bengals, you're going to lose. You know, Joe Burrow is not Skylar Thompson. Joe Burrow right there, you know, they got field goals on the – um, Skylar Thompson got field goals off those interceptions. Joe Burrow would get touchdowns. You'd be losing by two touchdowns at half instead of winning by three. So, you know, they really have to shape up. I don't know if that means being more balanced and relying on the run game. 
um, and doing some play action or just like having a conversation with him and just being like, don't do stupid throws, like actually go through your progressions. Um, but, you know, that's the debate, that, you know, throughout the entire year is what's going on with Josh Allen. Yeah, I want to build off that point a little bit because they were going through some tape of that, you know, today on ESPN. And, you know, what they were pointing out was that Josh Allen's consistently like looking for the big play down the field. And he has wide open wide receivers and tight ends underneath in like the seven yard range, 10 yard range. But he's constantly looking for Gabe Davis down the field and like these big chunk plays. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It almost feels like Josh Allen kind of like hit like a little bit of a regression here where he's just not seeing the field as well. Like I, I keep going back to that, like that Thanksgiving game, but I feel like up until that point, he was playing MVP football. And mm-hmm. since then, he just has really taken a step back. And it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense other than maybe that injury. But that doesn't seem to that doesn't make any sense. Why would that be affecting his like his like decision making process at all? So not really sure what's going on there. But I think the Bills will go as far as Josh Allen's decision making goes this year, because if he executes at a high level, I think the Bills are still the best offense left in the AFC. Yeah, I, I agree with everything. It's it's weird seeing Josh Allen because it's not like he's like regressed with his arm. It's not like he's just like dumping off passes. He's still taking shots down the field um, and they're just not connecting. He's trying, I feel like, to go for these flashy plays, like Desmond said, and, and it's flashy kind of offense when he needs to dial it back and just take what the defense is giving him. I mean, the, the Dolphins did have some pressure on him at times, but it wasn't enough to really – throw him off his rhythm as much as he he did. And I don't know if they dialed it back because they were up, and the next thing you know, then it becomes kind of this close kind of shootout game. It was weird, but there, there's there's definitely something going on with Josh. And again, I don't know if it's more of a mental thing and, and all that, but he's like, it's. I don't think it's the arm at the end of the day. Like, I think his elbow is doing better because we're still seeing him bomb it down the field. It's not like I said before. It's not like he's doing these just constant check downs and maybe like yeah. – 10 yard pass. He's still making. So it's just kind of, he's just kind of off rhythm, but it's concerning because I think a lot of us had, you know, high hopes for this Bills team. And we just see this game and our like perception of them has changed. Like we're like, we, they can't do this and expect to beat the Chiefs or the Bengals or whoever. You know, they have to be perfect. And it starts with Josh Allen. Yeah. And I think that the, the original comparison to Big Ben when he got first got drafted was pretty apt because of the body structure, but also the arm and the decision making. And some of this is the negative side implying that that decision making. My my real concern, I mean, you guys, I don't want to, you know, belay the same points, but I think one, you know, incision that we haven't made here is that I want to know who has his ear in moments moments of this, because every time the the camera pans to him on the on the um on the sideline, it it looks like you know, he's frustrated, obviously, but no one no one has his attention to bring him down. Um, he seems to be fuming. He seems to be frustrated and confused. And, you know, originally, I think that Brian Dable usually probably would have fit that mold for him. Um, it's evident in the numbers. He's had 14 interceptions this year, one off of his record from last year. But I just think that, um, you know, Leslie Frazier and McDermott are both defensive guys. I just don't know how well they can really get in his ear and bring him down to a, a cohesive level where he can get back in the game and produce the best football. I still think the decision-making is off. Um, he hasn't looked good for six to eight weeks, you know, leading up to Thanksgiving, like you guys said, and it's going to be a real concern against, you know, Cincinnati because it, you know, week after week, they may not be the best team on offense, but they're definitely dialed in and they're very, very tight. They're very precise. And Joe Burrow is an exemplar of that. 
Well, yeah. what I think of a lot is that um, his offensive coordinator is Ken Dorsey. And if anyone remembers Ken Dorsey, he was a very animated quarterback for the U. Um, and, you know, he's extremely frustrated. There's been multiple clips this season in the booth yeah. of him, like, flipping out, throwing stuff. So it's like yeah. that translates down to the quarterback as well. When you have yeah. a hothead OC, you're going to get a hothead kind of, you know, decision-making in the quarterback because, you know, Ken Dorsey wants to air raid and sling it. And, you know, sometimes you don't need that with, with that many talented people on your roster. You just need a, a game manager. Like, really, like, Buffalo needs – Josh Allen should just game manage right now, and they will coast to the AFC championship game. Don't think, yeah. Josh. Just don't think. I think he's thinking too much out there. And the things with the Miami, despite not having the number one running back, and like I said, third-string quarterback, still put up a fight. I don't think it's as much of a mess as people really thought at one point. Now, and specifically after this game, there's clearly something to work work on. Uh, Mike McDaniel is is fine to get his another year. He did get that team to the playoffs after just being short last season under Flores. And um, you know, Can watch we- out whether it's Tom Brady coming in for for mm-hmm. the Dolphins or what. But um, at least they put up a fight. Can we um, give him his flowers? On you know, because I thought they put up more than hell of a fight, and they've mm-hmm. been going through hell all season with injuries and adjustments with um, you know, with Tua's health and then Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater's health and not having Raheem Mostert. So definitely want to give a lot of love to McDaniel because we kind of shat on him when he got picked out of the pool based on the demographics, but he really showed up and, and showed that he could coach this year. I like him. People I give him flack. People give him flack because they they don't put anything because they don't um. They don't um they're too bland and plan plain for those. He's just a chill young thirty uh late thirties dude who's brilliant. He went to Yale. Um he knows what he's doing. He helped develop this great that great 49ers offense. Um and I think the guy the guy's golden and we'll just see what else he could pull off in the future. And the only other question is did he vape on the side or not? And again, I talked about this in the productive cast. I don't think he vaped. He would have seen doesn't, some smoke co- come out one way or matter. the other. And um, you know let him vape. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That man is stressed. Well, he can relax in Miami for six months until uh, training camp, so it'll be okay for him. Now, let's talk about the game that took place at 4.30 on Sunday. The New York Giants went out to Minnesota and played the NFC Central Division champion Minnesota Vikings 13-4 versus a 9-7-1 team. And guess what? The New York football Giants won their first playoff game in 11 years where you saw Daniel Jones play the best game of his career. Good time when you have your first playoff game to do that. Saquon, even with minimal minimal touches, still made an impact on the ground game. Isaiah Hodgins shows that a team that has been criticized for having a lack of weapons, that he is a legit one. Uh, Darius Slayton played well. We can give a pass for that drop he made towards the end of the game. Um, things worked on defense. They held Justin Jefferson, as we mentioned. If you can stop him, you can win this game. Seven receptions for 43 yards and only one reception in the second half. The Giants played a hell of a game and have a lot of momentum going into Philly this upcoming weekend. I'll go to the, give it to the Giants fan to start it off. Who would have thought we would not only make the playoffs, that we win a playoff game 
And uh, Brian Dayball is clearly the coach of the year, and anybody who doesn't think so is a fucking moron. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think <laughs> that we've been waiting uh, 10, 10 years for this moment uh, for to get another playoff win. Um, it's kind of wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, I said before, this is just the gift season that keeps on giving. And, you know, I was confident going into that game as a Giants fan. I thought they were going to play tough. Um, did I expect us to walk away with a win? Honestly, no. Um, but just early on, just seeing the the Giants come out aggressive, um, Daniel playing a clean game, no mistakes, didn't let the Vikings fans get to him. Nope. Um, it was just an impressive game all around. You know, Justin Jefferson's ripping apart you know, play after play on the first drive. They held him, I think, to like 25 yards the rest of the game after that. He had like four catches for 24 yards in the first drive. And then after that, we yeah. shut we shut him down, um, And which was a key to the game for, I think, all – for me at least, was a key to the game was limit him. And they did that, and, you know, they kept the, you know, uh, the game uh, in distance the whole way. And I didn't think the Giants were going to put up 30 points. They did. And Daniel was just unbelievable. Um, I think he's just proving everyone – that it really was coaching at the end of the day. Yeah. That was something his development. He needed the right coach. He needed the right coordinator. He got that. Um, and he has another leader right next to him is Saquon Barkley, who takes the pressure of leadership off him. Just seeing what Saquon was doing on the sidelines, especially after the Darius Slayton drop on third and 15, where he pretty much iced the game. Just seeing him go over to him and say, like, we're fine. The defense is going to get us. You're good. Um, it was just a great moment from this young team, um, you know, and, and future's bright. I know the Eagles are going to be a tough matchup, but it was a hell of a game, a hell of a win. Just so impressed uh, by how everyone came up and, and played. I, I thought with this young team that that it was going to be a struggle at times, um, but it wasn't. Um, they look like a bunch of veterans out there. And, and like I said, I, I think the key takeaway, and it's great to see, you know, Daniel Jones get all the love and praise that he deserves, especially the season that he's had. Um, when a lot of us, including myself and probably you, Matt, at the end of last year, yeah. thought he was done um, and thought that that was it for him. And, and, and I know it's a make or break season for him, but I want him back. I want him to be the Giants quarterback. Um, he cemented that um, uh, on Sunday. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to another game that we'll talk about uh, in more depth against the Eagles. But all, all around, just just incredibly happy. And, and this season's just been in, uh, just incredible uh, that i'm like speechless but yes it's been so much fun good word um, speechless i'm gonna interject here and answer your question matt uh i i saw this coming first of all mm -hmm. uh you giants fans i said they would beat the commanders i said the commanders wouldn't go to the playoffs i said y'all would lose to the vikings but then use that blueprint to beat the vikings and you did because the vikings were they were frauds we all knew it we all said it. The Vikings are frauds, except for Alex Fernelios. He kept apologizing for them, but Vikings <laughs> are frauds. So, no, this this was a great game. Honestly, I was saying this yesterday. Um, best game I've ever seen from Daniel Jones, ever. Like, in my entire, like, life watching Daniel Jones play, he was very decisive, very on point. Seemed to not only know what he wanted to do, but made the right decisions was very instinctual about when to run versus like when to sit in the pocket and look for his receivers, even if they would occasionally drop it. I mean, offensively, it was great execution by the Giants. You know, unfortunately, their defense kept playing like they weren't able to figure out how to stop anybody. I felt like TJ Hawkinson was open every single play, but he was the, the one time heel. they covered him was the one time that they needed to when, you know, the 
Kirk would decide to throw that three yard check down to lose the game <laughs> for them. But yeah, no, I mean, all in all, tail of two halves here for the Giants. Great on offense, shaky on defense. I hope they uh, kind of maybe go away from that that zone coverage that wasn't doing anything for them, you know, going into next week. But great game for the Giants and Minnesota. Like, what, what do you even say about Minnesota? Are they ever going to win a Super Bowl? Can we all just agree that Kirk Cousins is a mid quarterback? We need to stop referring to him as a good quarterback. He's just not a good quarterback. Yeah, I was saying before, like the Vikings historically cannot make it in the postseason. Losing four Super Bowls in the seventies, um, as I mentioned, from missing in the ninety-eight game field goal against the Falcons, Blair Walsh, all that messy, messy, messy. And I appreciate that the curse extended at least another season for them. I did. I don't think that that's that is a weird that is a historic NFL franchise that doesn't get enough hate that it kind of deserves, because in a way you are on a level somewhat for these terrible losses with the Lions, the Jets, the Browns, obviously, because you had success early on and are, I would say, respectful franchise in the league. But they've had just as many terrible losses, if not more than the franchise I just mentioned. And some franchises just have. A losing culture like that when it matters the most. You know, I think we have to. They have to worry about the fact that is um, Diggs left because of Kirk Cousins. Like, there's no debate about that. That's it's been said. He thought he was had a ceiling playing with Kirk Cousins. Is Justin Jefferson going to feel the same way? Because Justin Jefferson, the way he is right now, imagine he had a Trevor Lawrence or a Patrick Mahomes or a Joe Burrow. The men would have 2,200 receiving yards a season and break every record every year the way he's playing right now. So I don't know. If I'm Minnesota, I'm really looking into the trade market right now. Who's available? Unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers will never, unless he gets released, Aaron Rodgers will never get traded to you. Um, Derek Carr is uh, definitely an upgrade, in my opinion, over Kirk Cousins. Um because, yes, you could say Kirk Cousins had a good season and he didn't turn the ball over. But at the end of the day, I don't trust a quarterback that doesn't know situational football and it's fourth and eight and you throw to a guy th- a three-yard route. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, that's the kind of play that you don't even get a job ever again. You just don't even ever, ever even become a backup. You're just gone from the league, washed off because you need it. Like, that's a common sense, you know common sense in that situation anyone knows i'm a kid playing madden knows oh if no one's open i'm just gonna throw it up and hope a pi call happens because it's better than throwing just checking it down and getting the tackle and the game's over so it's 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 inexcusable it really is yeah um, i was just gonna say on cousins i think he's a great regular season quarterback i think he's a really solid quarterback but he's just never gonna get you over the hump he's just he he knows how to win games, but he's not dynamic enough that he can win you a Super Bowl. That's that's the thing I think that all of us have have seen, especially on that fourth and eight where he checks down to Hawkinson, hoping that he can break a tackle when our best tackler is pretty much lined up right on him. So, yeah, I think he's just he's never going to get anyone over the hump, but he can win you enough games to get you to the postseason. 
Right. I, I want to add one quick thing in here. It's not like this guy has been in the league for three years. Like he's been in the league mm-hmm. for almost what a decade now. A decade. Probably, yeah. yeah. It's like a decade. Yeah, like like yeah. we know who he is. Like we don't yeah. have to guess, you know, like that mm-hmm. is who Kirk Cousins is. He's a regular season quarterback. He is Carson Palmer. You put him in the postseason. Yeah. Wow. That is Wilts. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to, um, move too far ahead in terms of the predictions with the Giants in the next week. Uh, but I thought that they did some really, really impressive things in terms of containing Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Um, it's going to be something, you know, of a formulaic approach to how they defend uh, Philadelphia. But I was just so impressed with Daniel Jones. I got to just, just say, because I was down on him most of the year. Um, you know, I was just kind of straight shooting about it. I don't have a dog in the fight when I assess the Giants, but I just thought that, you know, having a new regime, having Dable in there, he was going to scrap the board and wipe clean next year. But I think that Daniel J- Daniel Jones uh, played for his job and, and secured it uh, at least for another year. I was highly impressed with the wheels that he has, the ability to move out of the pocket when things break down. Um, Hodgkins, um, I hope that – I know he's listed as questionable with the ankle. I hope he's able to, you know, able to go against Philadelphia. We'll have to get an update on that too. But um, just the just the defense too, just applying pressure. Dory Jackson had six tackles and a and a, and a, um, and a, a, there was a huge assist he had on one of those tackles as well. So uh, I just thought it was an all you know all around impressive game on on three phases, and um, I think there's a lot to carry into the Philadelphia game. Yeah, I think you, I think it'll be fine. We'll see Hodgins out there on uh, Sunday, and it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun indeed. So now we transfer it over to the Ravens versus the Bengals. You know, Bengals' first game back in Cincy after what happened with Demar Hamlin. They're ready to to uh, get a good win. Try to focus on the future and another game that they thought might have been another messy blowout was again a lot closer than they thought, and again the. Um, the uh, team, the underdog was leading at half, but again, the favorite um, became themselves again. And maybe it took maybe, uh, ah, sorry, where we have Joe Burrow coming in with a better second half and um, taking over once and for all. They get props to the Ravens for tying it at the end of the third. And, um, then all it took was a fumble return for 98 yards with Sam Hubbard, and it led them to a big, big Cincinnati victory. But shouts to the Ravens and that very good coaching staff to keep it in it, especially that defense. But uh, Joe Cool, knowing how to stay cool, calm, and composed, was able to uh, get their team for a victory, and they're now going to Buffalo for a very big game on Sunday. On Sunday, so with this, let's talk about the Ravens first. You know, we talked all about Lamar Jackson. He didn't come into play. They had Tyler Huntley. You know, when we were recording, it was Antonio Brown who was supposed to start, but Tyler Huntley wound up getting the start, and he played a really great game. He kept a minute. They pushed, getting big leads late in the game. Or I should say later in the game. And it could have gone either way if um, the Bengals made any mistakes. But that's one of the things the Bengals are known for in this Joe Burrow era to not let the pressure get to them in the big moment. And let's and we saw what happened. And you could give props to the defense for getting that huge fumble recovery. And it could have gone either way. 
So Cincinnati moves on, but uh, Baltimore, the with their uncertain future ahead, with especially with their starting quarterback, do we at least give them props? Did you at any point feel that the Ravens were the one to pull off this upset? Yeah, I thought the Ravens were going to win at some point. I personally think that they played the better game um, than the Bengals. Um, defensively, for sure. Like uh, After watching this game, in my opinion, the Baltimore has the best defense in the league um, outside of San Francisco. And it's a shame that um, you know they didn't have Lamar Jackson because he just adds such a different dynamic, even though Tyler Huntley is you know a lesser of a Lamar Jackson as an athlete, and he does some things like him. He isn't Lamar Jackson. And, you know, they, I, in my opinion, they would have pulled this all upset off with him um, they had some moments, you know, if you think about it, they almost tied it up on the Hail Mary. Um, if Prochet, you know, jumps a little bit sooner, he catches that ball off the bobble. So it's definitely a possibility. Um, looking at the Bengals, um, you lucked out, you beat the Ravens, and you just beat the best defense you'll face in this entire playoffs. Um, if you make, unless you make it to the Super Bowl and the 49ers are there. But as regarded to the AFC, you just had your hardest opponent. Um, defenses, defensively, Joe Burrow, and you won. So I see them coasting to um, the AFC Championship game. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of good things taken. You know, Joe Cool's Joe Cool, but uh, Baltimore has a lot of decisions to make this offseason because this is a Super Bowl caliber defense. And if they get some pieces on offense, they could really be dangerous. So. Uh, I want to I want to take this one from from Brian here at the baton because I, I think he you know started opening the conversation about Lamar. I thought that Baltimore played a more complete game. They won in every statistical offensive category. I thought they dominated time possession and so on and so forth. Um, obviously, Huntley did the best he could with the with the circumstances given to him. But the the elephant in the room is if Lamar's there, they're winning that game. And I just, I don't see it any other way. I thought that they... J.K. Dobbins felt the same way, too. He literally yeah, said that after I, the game. And I've been bullish on, you know, since he being the best team in the AFC, I still think that they will prevail as being the best team in the AFC to represent. But I just thought that, you know, there's no secrets when you play a team for three times in one year, um, like these divisional rivals. And I think that um, Huntley did the best he could. But um, it, it, it's, it's really just, it's tough watching a team knowing that they're withheld from being their best because Lamar is injured. And, you know, it's another conversation to have the minutia discussion about, you know, how injured or what he could have played on in that circumstance. But um, I thought that Huntley played a, a really noble effort. And I thought that Cincinnati was tested all the way down to the wire to what they could, um, what to, what they could handle. Um, I think that, you know, like Brian said, that that is the best defense that I think Burrow has is going to face, particularly when you add the element of a longstanding divisional rival on top of that. It just adds another level of predictability that he has to get over the hump of in terms of what the defense is going to read in terms of his passing game. So, um, yeah, props to Cincy, but I thought that uh, Baltimore played their balls off, and they I think they, they deserve to win that game. I really do. Yeah. Um... Like I, I said, I think when we were talking on, on the pot on the, the live stream the, the other day, like the AFC North is always weird. They always play each other extremely hard. Um, no matter who is playing quarterback, no matter who in the game, they it's always always a battle. So props to the Ravens. Um, I think everyone thought they were going to get their asses handed to uh, them, but the defense showed up. The Burrow and the offense just wasn't clicking early. Um, like Alex said, uh, I thought the Ravens did deserve to win. 
they probably could have hung on to win if they didn't have that fumble return touchdown right on the goal line there. Um, you know, they could have hung on. Um, but that changed the momentum. Defense gave a big play, and the Bengals held, like, you know, held on, which is what great teams do. They find ways to win in, in, in advance. And, um, you know, but I think they really have to look at the film um, because they – we're nearly upset by a very inferior team to them. I think a lot of us think the Bengals are the team to come out of the AFC. Um, but, you know, similar to the Bills, I think they, the perception changed a little bit. But, again, we all kind of know that the AFC North is always a tough fight no matter where, when. Um, so, you know, props to the, the Bengals are hanging on. But, you know, like you know, like I said, the Ravens deserve a lot of props because they – you know, stuck in there and uh, and almost got it snuck out and uh, got an upset win. You know, everyone raises their level of play in the in the playoffs. So while this Ravens defense might be better than the Bills defense or the Chiefs defense, for instance, there's no guarantees that the Chiefs defense or Bills defense couldn't rise to the occasion the way the Ravens defense just did and use the blueprint of what the Ravens did against the Bengals in the upcoming weeks. So I think the Bengals need to be on upset alert because they might be like just position by position better than the Chiefs or the Bills. But, you know, they did not seem to know how to react to how the Bengals were defending them the other night. And they only scored 17 offensive points. I mean, this game was 17-17 when that fumble return happened. The Bengals didn't score an additional point after that. So, I mean, the Ravens with a backup quarterback almost went into Cincinnati and beat this team. I think the Bengals uh, need to really be on high alert going into Buffalo this week. All the emotions that are going to be around that game, you know, especially, you know, given what happened the last time these two teams played. You know, the Bengals probably have enough talent to win that game, but we'll see. We will see indeed. And now transferring over to the game that we all watched together, the productive cast that took place on Monday night. Big success. Thank you for everyone who tuned in and everybody involved, of course. So in this game we witnessed together where the Cowboys defeated the Bucks by a score of 31 to 16. Clearly the Buccaneers came to, sorry, clearly the Cowboys came to play and the Buccaneers did not. And it was pretty messy if you're a Buccaneers fan. And whether we see Tom Brady again, that's one question. But a fun thing that is for sure that he will not be returning to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A mess throughout. It could not connect on either side of the ball. And the Cowboys took advantage of it. So we'll give it to the Cowboys fan who hates the Cowboys. How are you feeling after this game? Um, I'm excited. Uh, Dak Prescott played like the money he got paid. So I absolutely mm-hmm. love to see that. Um, I was disappointed in the running game. They had 128 yards combined at a touchdown, but I just, you know, Pollard had a good game, but still, you know, Zeke, the Zeke Elliott decline is just constantly in my mind and is shown every day. You know, 13 carries for 27 yards, and Pollard has 15 carries for 77 yards. I'm sorry, but at this moment in time, the rookie Malik Davis, who is more explosive, deserves Zeke Elliott's carries. That when he went instead of, um, you know, Zeke right now, Zeke has basically become a red zone running back, like a Jordan Howard almost when he was on Philadelphia towards the end of his career, just being a big guy that could put his head down. And, you know, get you two, three yards. So it's a disappointment if that's age of the running back position. Uh, Dalton, Dalton Schultz really stepped it up in this game with two tutties. 
and 95 yards. He's always been the safety blanket um, for Dak Prescott. Um, he's like the Jason Wooden to the Tony Romo for them. Um, CeeDee Lamb had a great game. Gallup, had, it was just a complete game on offense for them, and the defense showed up. Um, there was a couple of injuries on defense. So, yes, you know, they were going in banged up on a short week against San Francisco. So I'm a little concerned, um, but I'm excited because, you know, if anything, it would be nice to beat the 49ers just because everyone thinks that they're going to be the Super Bowl favorites. So I like that better. And, you know, why would I want to see, you know, imagine if I lost to Philadelphia. Like, the, who wants to see that embarrassment? Everyone would talk shit. So, you know what? I'm excited for this matchup. And Tampa Bay. I really have nothing to say except they're hot garbage and every, you know, a lot of retirements are from this offense. A lot of retirements are needed. And, you know, you all agree with me uh, yesterday. Mike Evans is the most overrated receiver in the NFL. Not a good but, game for Mike Evans. And when it mattered the most. Buccaneers look terrible. We all were saying it. This was definitely one of those cases where they did not belong in the playoffs. They got in because of the automatic division slot. So, I mean, just not a whole lot to say about them, to be honest with you, except for one thing, which is Leonard Fournette. I think his career might be over. Uh, that was a horrendous like stat line by him yesterday. So uh, he needs to be gone from any NFL team as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, the Cowboys showed up and dominated like we all thought that they should. You know, I think the Buccaneers were getting away with too much of the whole like, oh, you can't bet against Tom Brady, Juju. Mm -hmm. like, we, we've all watched this team all mm -hmm. year. The team sucked. Like they were not a good team. They had a struggle to come Eight back to beat the reason. Cardinals and the Saints, you know, like in overtime, I guess, I guess the Cardinals, like what was on Christmas Day? It was just, no, this was not a good team. They the Cowboys to needed the Rams to win this too. Game. Needed the Rams come back too, which is yeah. It's like, it's like yeah, the the Cowboys had to win this game. If the Cowboys lost this game, Dak Prescott would probably not be the quarterback for the Cowboys anymore. So they needed to win this. They did win it. Uh, off to San Francisco. Let's let's talk about that game. Yeah, Mike McCarthy is here to stay too. And fortunately, um, so sad, so sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's up? Uh, no. I, I can go real quick. I was just, I don't really have much. Um, you know, I, I agree with Desmond with, with Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, we briefly talked on 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 the live stream. You know about Todd Gurley. This is just kind of a similar thing where he, for a little bit, if you look at it, Todd Gurley was like a top running back, and then the knees started falling apart, and then he fell apart. I'm seeing that right now with Leonard Fournette. He is young, and he should have you know eight more years in this league. Um, but there's just something going on. His body's beaten down. Just all the mileage is catching up to him. It's unfortunate. He'll probably get another shot because of his age. But he's not the running back that we saw in college dominate briefly for a little with Jacksonville and then briefly with the, with the Buccaneers. He's just a shell of himself right now. Could be a confidence thing. It could be health thing. It just he's he just doesn't look the same. He doesn't look as dynamic as when they won the Super Bowl. Um, and you know, I think just seeing you know my game plan that I had for for Dallas was to get to Brady. Make him feel touch, uh, you know, you know, make him feel like the pocket collapsing, all that stuff. Make him feel pressure. And I gotta say, Michael Parsons showed up. He balled out yesterday. Um, yeah. Props to him. Um, I think all of us were looking at him uh, needing to have a big game, uh, and he did. He was, you know, he was drawing holds. He was just all over the place, wreaking havoc. So props to Parsons. Dallas needed to win this game. We needed Dak. You know, we said, you know, during during the, the live stream that, you know, Dak needed a Dan Jones-esque performance. He went up beyond that, proved that, you know, he can lead this team to some success. Um, was a surprise with the outcome. 
Um, they have a tough matchup here, but I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. But not surprised with the uh, result here at all. Yeah, no, I mean we're 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 kind of talking in circles with in regards to the outcome of this game. We all watched what we saw. I thought this was definitely, you know, 100% a referendum on Tampa. Um, just an entire, you know, collapse in real time of what was left of their season. I think that all the blown coverages we saw in the live stream, the live cast. Um, really, you know, exemplified that. I thought that, you know, Brady was disrupted all night, you know, partially in part to Michael Parsons and all the work he did. He was, he was sensational. Um, and Dallas just executed their offense. I mean, they basically did what I expected them kind of to do all year in terms of executing the offense and the game plan. And I thought that Dak was, was perfect. He didn't do anything out of the ordinary that got him, you know, I, you know, in any trouble. And I thought that they were kind of on par in terms of the running game that I expected. Um, I think that Tampa's going to blow this thing up. And I thought that particularly, you know, I, I think the emphasis for me was on Dan Quinn and his defense and him be able to being able to shut down Tampa. But I want to give a 50-50 blame to actually to Tampa Bay and their inability to be able to move the ball. I thought that they the, the offense was just very predictable there was a lot of short throws that were just falling short. Um, and people looked confused. They looked half, you know, half participatory. Um, this was a total domination by Dallas and uh, Tampa. I think is ready to blow things up. Yeah, and just one last thing for me. Uh, I think it wrapped up Tampa's season when Mike Evans yet again streaking downfield wide open, and he dropped the wide open touchdown. I think yep. that was a, a right just, through the, 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 the period. Mark on their season. I think that's, I mean, it was kind of the game was done at that point. Could have given them a little bit of momentum, but I think that just wrapped up their season. It was just the definition of the season when he just had a wide open touchdown right in front of him and he dropped it again. He's the best, worst receiver in the NFL. I'll, I'll, I'll make this comment as well. I think Tom Brady's done. Um, this game proved it to me that he cannot play quarterback efficiently anymore in the NFL because all the current situations that are open right now for him to go to don't have good O-lines. So wherever he's going, he has to do this. Um, maybe Miami, but it looks like they're going to stay with Tua. Um, and if he doesn't back. retire. So I, if he doesn't retire. So, like, I don't see it. You know, he had a 45-year-old quarterback throw it 66 times in a game and expected him to win. I'm sorry, but, like, Thank God they didn't win. He wouldn't have an arm after this game. Nope. There's think, one situation that makes sense, but I just don't think that the team would be willing to do it. And San Francisco? It, Denver. Uh, Denver. Mm. You they put Tom Brady in that Denver team with that defense, that offensive line, those receivers, he would he would work there. I think the, bag, the, only, the bag man took that opportunity. The only, uh, the only last point I want to say before we move on, because we'll save this entire large discussion about the approach for another episode, but I think that Byron Leftwich particularly did a, a major disservice on display the, the other night. I think that he was really exercising, you know, a growth in his, um, his capital as a coach, um, you know, a formidable coach in this league. I think that he kind of – got humbled and taken down a few pegs. I think that there's going to be some more reconsideration with him in the league. Yeah. A lot of people think he's a favorite to take over as the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. That's what I heard. Okay. Um, that's, that seems the most formidable one. I know the Jets need a coordinator, but why do that to yourself? It's a whole um, <laughs> like you, like you said, it's uh that's a conversation for another day. Right. But with that, why don't we look ahead and preview the divisional 
round. As people say, this is the best weekend of football, bar none, where you have clearly the best eight teams left. And I really think a solid six of them, five of them, you can argue, can win this, win the Super Bowl all in all. So we have a great weekend of football ahead. So let's get to it. We're going to go through each game one by one by their by this uh, schedule. So when it starts on Saturday afternoon, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to Kansas City. The Chiefs off there by the number one seed in the AFC. They are opening at minus eight and a half. We have Jacksonville with this special. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. So we have Jacksonville with this great season, you know, making a real push and stuff. We have the Chiefs being the Chiefs. I don't think it's it's exactly a surprise that the Chiefs are in this position, despite losing their number one, the number one option, Tyreek Hill. He goes to Miami. They literally, literally didn't take a step back. They only move forward. Now there seems to be more options for Mahomes to do his thing. Travis Kelsey has another year, good year, improvements on defense, and um, they are the favorites going into this. But again. Jacksonville has shown that they will not go out without a fight. And can they do that in Arrowhead Stadium? Guys, what do you say? Uh, since I brought it out to give Jacksonville some respect, not saying they're going to win this game. Not saying that. I think Kansas City will win this, but I think Jacksonville is all momentum right now. The eight and a half is, is too big of a spread. I think you have to give them some respect for what they just did coming back down against a decent offense in the Chargers. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a fun game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, I really don't. I think it's going to be a battle at Arrowhead. I know that's, that that stadium is wild to play in, especially in the postseason. Um, but I'm expecting a fun uh, battle between the two of them. I hope it's a shootout. Uh, I think Kansas City is going to win in a close one. Um, but I think the Jags are going to cover um, because I think they're going to try to keep that game close. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to upset the Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh. He beat me to it. Ah, I think they got to jump in. Got to jump I think, in. I think they're going to do it, and this is why. If you look at it, let's just look. We're going to do the eye test. Jacksonville has a better defense. The Chiefs' defense doesn't. You know, they they don't they don't they don't turn the ball over. That's their biggest problem. And in a game like this, you need turnovers. Now on offense. Jacksonville is the poor man's version of the Kansas City Chiefs. I've said this the entire season. If you wanted to get a Happy Meal version of Pat Mahomes, you would get Trevor Lawrence. If you wanted to get a Happy Meal version or a dollar menu version of Travis Kelsey, it would be Evan Ingram this year, just in styles of play. In my opinion, Christian Kirk is better than Juju Smith. Zay Jones is better than McCole Hardman and um, um, Valdez Scandlin. Uh, ETN is 100% better than Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, Trevor Lawrence just showed that he could throw four interceptions and then throw four touchdowns and win a game. This is... And the game's on Saturday. And the game is on Saturday. This is the most frightening opponent for Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. (laughs) They're coming in with a a little groggy. They've been sleeping last week in the bye. They think they're going to roll through the, this game and then play the Bengals or the Bills and the championship. This is all set up for Jacksonville to win by a field goal. I was sitting here looking at it 
And I was having the like the inner like debate with myself. I'm like, am I actually going to pick the Jaguars? Like, I, you know, I was trying to like talk myself out of it. <laughs> it's kind of lining up for the Jaguars have an underrated defense. They've been locking people up the last like several weeks here after having not a great start to the season. It's going to be an unseasonably warm game in Kansas City, which, you know, typically well, I think it's going to actually favor Jacksonville. They're not going to have to go into like a really cold climate like Kansas City is used to having this time of the year. And it's supposed to rain. And the Chiefs are stubborn about like not really running the football that much. Like they just want to throw it all the time, you know. And I feel like the Chiefs also have a really bad tendency of just not taking an opponent seriously sometimes. And I think it gets the better of them. And I think Jacksonville's very underrated. I think Trevor Lawrence like proved that like in clutch moments he can be clutch. I think this has a recipe for a close win for Jacksonville. I really do. I I think high scoring. Like 27-24 type of a game uh, or 30-27 type of a game, but Jacksonville by field goal. I literally had 27-24 Jacksonville over Casey. <laughs> so I don't like that, sir. Um, am I, am I the only one, I'm the only one picking the Chiefs, I guess. I guess. Like, no, no. Casey we're, we're sort of but, in agreement. I mean, I, I'm, I'm reading the tea leaves. I'm looking at kind of the same approach that you guys are talking about in terms of – Chiefs kind of sleeping on opponents, getting complacent, getting away from the run, even when they have to be honest with it, you know, putting a defense on its honest side. I just think that Jacksonville has all the momentum. They're riding into this game in a, in a climate that's that's more uh, conducive to their offense and running ETN and doing play action with Trevor Lawrence. I think that his throw to the fire in the first half of that, that first game was a wake-up call for him not being able to take things for granted, having four picks and then having to be resilient and show adversity in the second half. I think he's going to just pick up where he left off from that second half in this game. And I think that this is tailor-made for them to continue the run that they're on. And honestly, I just got to say, I just trust Doug Peterson more than Andy Reid at this conjuncture right now. Yeah, that's that's one more point I wanted to make really quick. I mean, Doug Peterson knows Andy Reid very well. Yes. And, and in previous <laughs> times when Doug Peterson's been in the playoffs, like he's never been afraid to be aggressive in moments where you think to yourself, oh, you couldn't do that in this position. And he would do that yeah. in that position. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. the Jaguars are not going to be afraid to go into KC no. and face the Chiefs. Like, no chance. Nope. By nope. the way, uh, for the weather, Doug Peterson said, it's going to be like – 40 degrees and the 66% chance of rain. So rain. pretty, pretty warm still for Kansas, uh, Kansas city in the middle of January. So <laughs> not going to be freezing. ETN time, ETN time. Yeah. Yeah. ETN and, and uh, all the 14 running backs of the chiefs rotate. Like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Shout out to Pacheco though. He went to uh Rutgers. I saw his development good, man. from college. I mean, I, I go to a lot of Rutgers games, and I saw him, and definitely deserves all the the credit that he's getting right now. He's he's a solid running back. Yeah, I think that Kansas City is going to pull it off. I do think they will put up a fight. I think it'll be entertaining, but when you just have Mahomes, who only ends the season, well, with the exception of last year, uh, sorry. No, no. When Mahomes only ends his seasons in either the Super Bowl or the Conference Championship, I think they're just going to continue that streak. Um, I think uh, they are playing a much better team than the Chargers that they had struggles with. And I think um, 
I think that uh, that Patrick Mahomes is just going to lead their team to victory, and but it's going to be a fun game. I'll make this last uh, comment on it. They the Jacksonville d- defense has to play like the Buccaneers did in that Super Bowl win. Um, you have to pressure Mahomes. It's the only way you're going to beat him. You have to get him uncomfortable, and you have to get him to start making stupid decisions, um, like throwing across his body on off of one leg. Because in those moments, you have guys like Rashawn Jenkins who can get an interception and take it to the house, and that's what they're going to have to do. It's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun. Well, let's talk about this other Saturday game. I am so happy that we have both sides being represented on both fan bases here. The New York Giants are going to Lincoln Financial Field to play the Philadelphia Eagles in a classic division rivalry game. Only this time, a trip to the NFC Championship is on the line. Right now, we have the Eagles opening at minus 7.5. And though they are the number one seed, some people felt like the last few weeks have been difficult for them. Jalen Hurts, is he the same MVP caliber player he was at the beginning of the season? There are problems with holes on their offensive line, and people are wondering if Lane Johnson's going to be there. With their historically good offensive line, didn't every single one of them make the Pro Bowl? And I mean, that's a force to be reckoned with. But of course, the New York Giants have been on this magic run all season long. They cannot have more momentum than they have at this point, and it's going to be a fight. I think the spread is a little too big, but um, I think whoever wants it's going to be a battle of who wants it more, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And as they bring both my podcast and professional side into it to properly analyze this game, but of course, I hate the Eagles so much. I've seen them nothing. <laughs> They've done nothing but beat the Giants since I've been a fan, whether it's 2000, 2006, 2008. I've seen a lot of heartbreak. The Giants haven't even won a game in Lincoln Financial since 2013. I want the Eagles to be embarrassed. I want those degenerate Philadelphia Eagles fans to be held accountable, and they're the ones who are stomped to the ground. And I want people to be embarrassed. I want people to cry. I want this to be over. Philadelphia sports has had a nice run. But it's time to stop right now. It's been a long decade for us to get into that NFC Championship. And I will go with both my head and heart and believe that the New York football giants are going to win this game and get this upset once and for all, even if it has to be an ugly way to get there. Mm. Desmond, you want to go? I mean, no, go ahead. I'll respond. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Matt, I'm not going to go into the, the 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 angry side that Matt went into uh, and mm-hmm. called you guys out. Uh, I think we had said other than Desmond because like he's really not like yes Eagles fan. Like it really is. But uh, to all the other Eagles fans that are going to probably be raucous and annoying, yeah, I'm the same way. I do hope that they get their heart tripped out in that in that stadium um, by the Giants. I mean, I can't root for the Eagles. I'm never going to pick the Eagles to do anything good. I'm not going to pick Philly to ever do anything good. Even in the okay. Super Bowl against the Patriots, everyone's like, oh, you're picking the Eagles? Hell no, no I'm not picking the Eagles. I'm not I even signing with the Patriots. Win. I'm not. I'm just going to watch the game. I was like, I'm not. But they said Eagles. I was like, hell no. Instantly. No. Oh, but what? No. You know, you can't go with the cheaters in New England. No, not nothing. Um, so, yeah, I want the Giants to go in there and keep this run going. Um, 
it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a tough matchup. I'm not going to take it lightly at all, especially after seeing what they did to us at Met, at MetLife. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we played the third string, you know, with the last week of the season. So we didn't really get a true testament, but they, you know, the Giants played well there. Um, I, I think, you know, it's going to be fun. Um, I really hope it is. Uh, Daniel's going to, I hope, come in with that same confidence he had against Minnesota in a probably even more raucous arena um, than Minnesota, um, especially as this rivalry game. Um, I hope he shows up, balls out again, um, and we come our way with a win. It's going to be tough. They have a lot of offense. Um, two great receivers. If Dory Jackson does the same thing he did on Justin Jefferson against Devontae Smith, um, I think it'd be great. Um, or Brown, whoever they have a match up against. But uh, yeah, I, I think his game plan is just getting the hurts. Sometimes he struggles against the Giants. Um, I don't know what it is, but I hope it's the same thing again. He comes in and I hope the Giants defense really is aggressive early on, makes their presence felt. And uh, yeah, I want the Giants to come away with a, a, a nice win here. We need the giant. We this is a great example. Remember when Devontae Smith got drafted, they literally traded the very pick in front of us to get him. Can you imagine if we can hold him in his first ever playoff game? That would be some poetic justice. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, hate that at all. I want him to have the Justin Jefferson stat line. Have a great first drive. Go for it, but do absolutely nothing the rest of the game, buddy. That's what I want. The four is yours, Desmond. Yeah. Please have some candor. Um, so honesty train, I root for the Giants twice a year, every year. Uh, and it is the games where they play the Cowboys because that's how my hierarchy <laughs> of hate works. <laughs> so, uh, so Washington feels like the little brother who kind of like if they ever get the better view, you'd kind of just like smack them to get away. You're like, okay, you're still annoying. Just get out of here. Um, and then the Giants, I've always had respect for them, even though I don't like them. You know, they kind of like that, that older brother you're just trying to like compete with. And the Cowboys are like that. It's just annoying person that you can't believe you're related to. And you just wish like bad things upon them all the time. Uh, oh, but <laughs> all of us attacking each other. This is rivalry week for a reason. Yeah. yeah. I actually did root for the Giants both times they faced the Patriots in the Super Bowl just because I was willing to drop my my dislike of the Giants to for a greater cause on those days. Sorry, I couldn't do the same. Me neither. I would throw up. Sorry. Sorry, Doug. It's it, it's all good though. It's I all good. Brian you know what? Westbrook. Honestly, when it comes to this game, I mean I'm intimidated by facing a divisional opponent in the in the postseason. You know, you you face somebody three times in a season. You know everything about them. You know, there, there's no guarantees in a given game. I know the you know people on ESPN, people who do this for a living, they'll be like, "Oh, the Eagles are going to blow them out." I, I don't believe in that for a second. I think this game comes Never down to take two things. Anyone on ESPN seriously except Stephen A. and SVP and Mad Dog. I like the people on NFL Live, Mina Kimes, yeah. Swagoo, yeah. Daniel. No, I don't really Swagoo. watch them to give. I don't Love, give. Yeah. I don't watch them to give. Ryan anything. Clark, Ryan. Yeah. I, those are my. Those Ryan Clark, very yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah, the NFL Live crew. Yeah. Is very solid. They're, they're they're like Tampa Bay last night. Wow. <laughs> I hate Booger McFarlane though. He was a he's not on there. He's not. Oh, I know. Just in um, general for ESPN. Yeah, no, he's not, he's not a good analyst. But you know, I think. What I'm trying to say here is that I think it's going to be a yes. close game. And mm-hmm. I think that for the Eagles, it comes down to two things. We need our offensive line to be able to establish the run game. And we need our secondary to be able to lock up 
uh, the receivers. I actually want this game in Saquon Barkley's hands because he hasn't looked super efficient no matter how much they feed him the ball. So I kind of think that our advantage is kind of making Daniel Jones basically have to keep like relying on the run game, taking the ball out of, I mean, especially after last week, you know, I don't think you could actually put the ball in his hands. Like, okay, Daniel Jones beat us. He just did it to the Vikings. I don't think we should do that plan. I think the Vikings tried to do that failed for him. I'd rather put it in Saquon's hands and ask him to actually see if he can continuously run Mm -hmm. on us. Thankfully, um, Lane Johnson is back. Jalen Hurts is not on the injury report anymore. Robert Quinn's going to play in this game. Our, our full defense is that I think even CJ Gardner Johnson is he might be in. Actually, I'm not sure about that. But either way, it looks like we're coming into this game relatively healthy. I think that this is going to be a close game, maybe a little more low scoring, maybe like a 21 17 type of a game. Uh, obviously, I'm picking the Eagles to win, but <laughs> I'm looking forward to a, kind of like a, a smash mouth game. Bring it on, bring it on. And another thing, another gripe. Remember Daniel Jones's infamous run. Uh, against the Eagles in prime time where he literally fell Turf on his monster. face. This yeah. is another reason for him to, <laughs> to redeem himself. I mean, as you can see, just this long list of Eagles hate. And you know, um, I really do hate him more than the Cowboys, and I'll stick to that. And they just give a run for money and just want something to change. I, well, one thing before we give it to Alex and Brian, you know, <laughs> last time I checked – you know, the Eagles have the least amount of Super Bowls in the division. So, you know, we could pump the brakes here about like the Eagles, like, you know, dominating <laughs> oh, no, those, the Giants, those dominating the Giants. I'm just like, hold on now. Who has four Super Brian, Bowls? I mean, but what I've seen, Brian, though, Westbrook, Brian Westbrook would be the bane of my existence. He tortured that me man as a was kid. A beast. He tortured Same me watching a five foot nine, just carving defenses up for like. That was, game. I think, the first player I legitimately didn't like as a kid when I was in the stands. Because <laughs> he would, every time he would, I would go yeah. Giants Eagles game as a kid, he would destroy them. Same here. Boston Scott's been a giant killer. Um, just. I just don't like Philly. I dated somebody from Philly. Well, she's a uh, Steelers fan, but I'll just give another reason to hate Philly sports just because <laughs> I want this to be a terrible memory for the Philadelphia Eagles fans. And I'll leave it at that. So for the other two people who don't have a dog in the fight, Alex and it's, Brian. It's up to Brian. It's up to Brian first. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah. So like with me, like would I love to see the Giants win? Absolutely. Like that would be awesome. <laughs> Fuck Philly. We all know that. Um, but uh, like, Philly. Yeah. The, the Eagles got the Eagles are better in every position. I'm sorry. Um, it's very hard. It's very hard to beat this Philadelphia team, um, especially that you guys played close in the last game of the season and they had most of their starters starting and you had your third stringer starting. So that and we was put up a good fight against them. So, was, what, what, so how can you go and say let that me, we all suck in every single position when that's finish. the case? Oh, it was the that is a terrible take, Brian. Yeah, I'll I'll we suck at every position. I'll explain. I'll, They're I'll better at every position. They're better in every position. and Which is I can agree with. Talent doesn't always mean W's in this situation because if that was the case, Dallas would have like 10 rings in the last like 20 years because they always have one of the best offenses in the league. But it comes with momentum and it comes with swagger and who needs it more. And in my opinion, um, the Giants just won their Super Bowl. They won a playoff game when they weren't supposed to be there. They're now... They are definitely in house money time now. They, they're playing, you know, they're playing. They'll see what they could do, you know, change it up and everything. But 
Philly has to win this game. Um, this is the Jalen Hurts prove it game that, hey, you outbeat Carson Wentz. You became a legitimate quarterback when everyone didn't believe you. You know, you got to leave Alabama to prove yourself. Now you're in a playoff game again. What can you do? And this is what he has to do. You know, I mean, uh, you know, they I'm pretty they were they were in the playoffs against Tampa Bay last year, right? They got smacked around. He had a bad mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. He has to play well. And you know, I I can't rely on Daniel Jones going back to back games of 300 yards and two touchdowns yet. Um, I see him doing that every other game, but not back to back games. Um, Sh- Saquon's shaky. Um, and you know. They have a full. They have the best defensive front in football right now um, with the Eagles. So I'll go with the Eagles by by a touchdown. But it can be just depending on turnovers. It could easily be the Giants game. I want this to be a bad memory for the Eagles and Brian McKeon on this one. <laughs> so I love. Mm-hmm. I, I like considering myself when these discussion topics come up. I consider myself the centerpiece of the NFC East circle jerk on the Christmas Thanksgiving table. Um, I I love watching because I, I feel like I can be the only objective lens to you know what the predictive outcome could possibly be. I <laughs> um, I I see Philly winning this by a field goal, and I think this is going to be you know a high scoring game. Um, again, when you have when you see a team for the third time in a year, there's no secrets anymore. I think it's going to be just coming down to, you know, a battle of wills who wants it more. Um, It does concern me that Jalen Hurts has been out for well over a month. And I understand that's preservation, but a lot of it rides in momentum when you get into the playoffs, particularly the second round. And I think that the Giants will come out smash mouth. I think they're going to put pressure on on Hurts real early in the game. And I think that um, as long as the Giants play uh, a no turnover clean game, I think they can hang with Philly as long as they can go. I think this is going to be about extending drives for Philadelphia, controlling the clock, and not playing any risky football. You know, really keeping the turnovers down and committing to, um, you know, diversifying the offense and just playing your offense, playing out the clock, so to speak. And I think that they um, should cash in on most of their scores uh, on their possessions. But I think that ultimately it's just going to come down to um, who has the ball last. And I think that Philly will prevail by a field goal. All right, I hear hear you all out. Great takes, but you know, at the end of the day, this New York Giants franchise has been pushed and have been huge underdogs and against the ultimate underdogs in an undefeated team going into the final game of that season. Uh, I excellent points. I'm still picking the Giants, both as if, like I said, both fan and heart, and understand that it could go the other way. But at the end of the day. This Giants team has so much momentum. This team is so well coached. And this team is going up against an Eagles team that was not looking as good as they could have been a few weeks ago. Giants, if they win it, put some respect on that, especially Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and put up a fight, guys. Put up a fight. Get hyped like Xavier McKinney did uh, and um, inspiring that defense. And let's keep it going. Let's go Big Blue. All right. Sunday afternoon the next game on the slate we have um we have the Bengals going up against uh sorry we have the Cincinnati Bengals going up against the Buffalo Bills obviously the last time that these two teams played he's had unforeseen circumstances I'm so happy a few weeks later it's a much different story with a 
uh, DeMar Hamlin on a road to recovery. But now, here it is. This is the playoffs. They're going to Buffalo. And uh, the Bills are opening at minus five. And as we mentioned, the Bills have questions. The Bengals have questions. But who's the one who's going to answer their questions the most? That's yeah, I'm taking smooth in my head. I'm taking the bang. <laughs> I'm taking the Bengals all the way. I think they're going to completely rout the mm-hmm. Bills right now. I have no faith in the Bills' um, defense and the dysfunctions of Josh Allen right now. You know, would I like to see them win the Super Bowl this year because of the Demar Hamlin story? Absolutely. Um, but I don't know. This Bengals team, in my opinion, is better on offense. It has a more sound defense. Um, you know, Bills might have the better athletes on the field, but uh, you know, the Bengals right now just. They played their worst. They played the, play the hardest defense last week, and now it's getting easier with time. So, you know, I'm taking the Bengals here by at least a touchdown. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals here too. Um, it's just with Buffalo, they just look so inconsistent. And I, they come out of the same gates that they did against the Dolphins. If they do that against the Bengals, I think the Bengals are going to take advantage early um, and put them away. Um you know, I have faith the Bills will compete in this game. It's probably going to be a, a close one. Uh, I just like the Bengals overall a little bit more. Um, and, you know, the only thing I really don't like on on, on the Bengals is Eli Apple, but that's for personal giant <laughs> effects. And I think he's just kind of a limited uh, corner. Um, but as my camera goes out, sorry about that. Um, yeah, my camera's being weird. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun game. I'm gonna have Buffalo winning, or not sorry, Bengals winning on a uh, on a field goal here. I think it's gonna be a close battle, but I think Bengals are gonna take the Bills. I like the Bengals as well, uh, but for different reasons. I, I think this is actually a battle of the defenses. I think you have looking at the Bengals defense for the last five games, they've allowed less than twenty points. Meanwhile, the Bills' home field advantage in Orchard Park hasn't been that much of a home field advantage. I mean, the last. Like three home games, they've been scored on 23, 29, 31. I I just think that Joe Burrow facing Buffalo's defense is going to be able to carve them up. And I think that Josh Allen will struggle against the Bengals defense. And on the flip side, Joe Burrow will probably be keeping his offense on the field more because he is very like completion oriented. He's very like check down oriented. He throws a lot of passes out of the backfield to Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's a better running back than either of the running backs on the Bills lineup. So I think that they'll be get more conversions, keeping the you know Bills offense off the field. I legitimately do not see a path for a Bills victory here. I know that that sounds crazy with how great of a season mm-hmm. the Bills have had and how good Josh Allen's been. I think this is a 10-point victory, 34-24 Bengals. Wow. Wow. I, you know, it's it's hard because my heart says Buffalo, my brain says Cincinnati, but I was really disconcerted. And I understand that this, this was probably the stiffest competition that Cincinnati was going to see this past weekend um, facing Baltimore. But I just think that, I didn't see as much as I had hoped for with Cincinnati. I thought that Baltimore outplayed them in all three phases of the game. It just kind of came down to a turnover. And, you know, I just I, – I have grave concerns with this team going into the Buffalo game, particularly on the road. Um, I understand that there's a lesser, you know, home field advantage with Buffalo. Um, but uh, – I. Uh, 
I, know, I don't know. Do that thing in your head, right? You're just like, ah, oh, I can't do yeah. it. You just can't do it. I'm like, I'm like, there, there's so there's so many neutralizing factors with both of these teams. Like Buffalo is gravely unimpressive, and Cincinnati plays tight games with teams that they shouldn't. And I, I I'm gonna go <laughs> with Cincinnati. I'm gonna go with Cincinnati on a game-winning field goal. McPherson rewind from last year, but against Casey, I just think that Cincinnati will just find a way. I think Joe Cool will just muster out a win. Um, and I think that this is going to be, it's going to be back and forth. There's a, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of factors involved in this game, but um, I think that Cincinnati by a nose is just a better team. And I think that Buffalo has a lot bigger issues than we want to give it credit for. You know, I want to make one final point here. I know that, you know, I think the Bills and the Bengals and the Chiefs are going to be like this decade's version of the Patriots, Colts, and Steelers from like the 2000s. We're like, yeah. they just take turns going to the Super Bowl every single year. The triple yeah. threat match. And I and I know that people are going to give a lot of hell to the Bills after like going out again in the second round, I think like two years in a row. But I really think that the Bills are just maybe just like the right offensive coordinator away from helping Josh Allen see the field better. Yeah, and they gave away That's the one who could have that. And he now coaches the Giants. Well, that that's that's my referendum on Buffalo. That's why I'm gravely concerned because I think if they did have Dable, I would say that they're a shoe in, they're a surefire hit for the Super Bowl. But I just have so many concerns with what I've seen since Thanksgiving, essentially. And don't forget also there's no Von Miller. That's a huge hole in their defense yeah. for yeah, Buffalo yeah. as well. And that's a thing to really like concern. Too. Yeah. So major injuries are, are going to really affect yeah. this team. And just, I guess for a respectful franchise with such a great fan base, kind of like the Minnesota Vikings I was mentioning, Buffalo Bills franchise are losers and uh, historically. Yeah. And I just think this will be a very hard pill to swallow defeat under Cincinnati yeah. and Joe Burrow gets to the yeah. AFC championship once again from that and taking advantage of those holes on defense for Buffalo. And if only, uh, if only, if only there was better circumstances, but um, it looks like the, I think Cincinnati is going to take this one and pull off the upset because they are the underdog here. And the final game of the weekend, Sunday night. This was now going to be, this is a very interesting game, I think. And um, so does Vegas. So the Cowboys are going to Levi Stadium to take on the 49ers. And San Francisco is only opening at minus four even. So only four points for them. So from a lot of momentum with a huge win over Tampa Bay, where seems things seem to be clicking for the Cowboys offense and defense. But again, you are playing a very, very good 49ers team that's almost complete. How do you decide this game? We'll give it to the Cowboys fan to start. Okay, so I'm gonna I had just had an epiphany just now. So we all give the Here 49ers we this we all give the 49ers this great defense, ready? Amazing defense. Who the fuck have they played this year? They've played four playoff teams in 17 games. And all and only sure. from three of those teams are out of the playoffs in the first round. And the only one that they did that is still in it is the Chiefs, and they got blown out by them. Who have they played? Who have they played since Pur- Purdy started? You know, it's like Cardinals, Saints, Dolphins, Bucks, Seahawks, Commanders, Raiders, Cardinals, Rams. That's the winning streak. That's nothing. That's garbage. It's hot garbage. Winning. You're supposed to win those games. 
Now, the best offense that they played all season was the Chiefs, 44-23. They lost. The second best offense in the league is the Dallas Cowboys. I could easily see Dallas putting 40 points up on any given Sunday. Now, they're going in hot-handed. You know, Nick Nick Bosa is going to be MV, uh, Defensive Player of the Year. He's going to get MVP votes, this, that, the other thing. You know, Fred Warner, uh, Chandarius Ward on the outside. Have they have they seen an offense like the Dallas Cowboys offense yet? That regardless of turnovers, the entire season still puts up the second most points per game. In my opinion, this is the worst matchup that the 49ers could have had in the divisional round. They they did not want this game. They wanted Minnesota. And I think with our defense, we could pressure Purdy. We, I, in my opinion, I really don't find Debo Samuel this crazy receiver. I think he's a great athlete, but I don't really see the hype in him as a receiver. I think he could easily get handled by our cornerback, too. And Trayvon Diggs is going to guard Brandon Ayuk, and that's going to be a good fight. Kittle is going to probably be the one that hurts us the most. In years previous, we've been known we could we could play against CMC. And game managing doesn't really work against Dallas's defense. I think this is the game for us to win. You know, we've seen the catch, the catch two, the catch three, the catch four, so many catches. This year, it just feels like Dallas, after I've watched the Bucks game and I said, Dallas looks like a playoff team that I've never seen before. They have all the pieces, they have heart. And I never thought I would believe this. They actually like Mike McCarthy. I might not like him, but the players actually like Mike McCarthy. They're in it. They, he makes them have fun. There's passion. There's drive. So for that being said, I think the Dallas Cowboys beat the San Francisco 49ers by 10 points. Ooh. Oh, I'll man, say one thing man. with Mike McCarthy up being an apologist. Listen. I know he's made some funky decisions, especially after a very bad first season. This guy isn't terrible coach. He has won a Super Bowl. He has an amazing regular season record. I mean, let's look. If, if you compare him to Sean Payton, records are similar, and um, they haven't had. He hasn't had as many terrible losses. I mean, I understand. There's some that could have gone a lot of fluky ones, especially there on Rodgers towards the end. But all I'm saying is Mike McCarthy, I think, isn't as clowned as he should be. That's all I'm saying there. Because at the end of the day, if he really focuses and makes his team work, he is, you know, a Super Bowl winning coach for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I think the 49ers can be beat. I just don't know if the Cowboys can do it. I think it just comes down to the it's it's a roster issue and a coaching issue because even if Dak goes out and plays the game of his life and he's able to put up 30 points a game, maybe puts up 30 in the in this game, I don't know that Dallas's defense can stop the 49ers from scoring 35 points. Yeah. I mean, uh, was it Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator? Yeah, he's yeah. been getting a lot of love, I think, unnecessarily recently. I mean, his defense has been getting shellacked for the My last goal. couple of months straight. I mean, we've by also almost, been hurt though, and, been hurt. And, and and you and you're still hurt. So I mean, but we're getting people back though. And you lost three more last night. So I mean, like, and then, yeah, you know, but they're not they're just, not they're not out though. They're still they're still probably going to play. You don't I like have the, the right pieces in place to face this team. This team is stacked, and Shanahan might not be like a sub. He might not be like a 
a genius, but he's damn close. I mean, they scheme people wide open all the time. And, and between like, who, who do you cover? I mean, Ayuk, Kittle, you know, uh, Samuel McCaffrey, even like use check is a, is a big thing in this yeah. offense. I mean, I don't think that you have the defense to stop this team. And so even if Dak goes out and has the game of his life and proves that he deserves this contract, scoring 31 points, I still think San Francisco finds a way to score 38 or 41. So, I mean, high-scoring loss by the Cowboys, unfortunately. Well, this defense isn't about – like, this game plan shouldn't be about shutting down everyone. It's about mitigating. So, in my opinion, you know – it's about who do you want to try to shut down? In my opinion, that would be Christian McCaffrey. He's the he's the best athlete on offense, easily on that team. Because you could live with a Brandon IU catch and Debo Samuel doing the stuff he does. We have a lot. We're very good with contain. So I'm not really worried about Debo Samuel in, in the run aspect. Uh, Curse will guard Kittle. He's done it before, and he's done it well. Um, in the playoff game last year, he did it well. Um, I also think of it like this. Who was the head coach while Kyle Shanahan was offensive coordinator of the Falcons? Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. So if anyone's going to know how to stop Kyle Shanahan, it's Dan Quinn. I mean, to be fair, last point I'll make here. I actually want the Cowboys to win this game. You know, for selfish reasons, of course. But I'm I want the Cowboys Peyton to Manning win this right game. Right now. Yeah. I, I might walk away <laughs> like Peyton Manning did. Yeah. 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 Desmond, you might want to turn your camera off for that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm serious. It's it, you know what? If the Eagles beat the Giants, it is better for the Eagles to face the Cowboys and the 49ers. I'm just thinking strategically here. All right, all right, fine. fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've never heard a guy who who's for an AFC team root for other AFC teams as much as I heard Desmond be like, "Yeah, I rooted for the Giants." It just or, no, yeah, that'll never, be, that'll never be. That'll never be. Playing the long game here, okay? You know, first of all, <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. You got to get through I the mean, Giants first, Desmond. They'll be looking I, if, forward. I said if the Eagles beat the Giants. I'm, I'm knocking I, I, on all I, kinds I, of water rounds. I'd be more afraid of playing Dallas in the NFC Championship game just because it's a divisional matchup. And I don't know. We always have your number. I feel like it's in the last decade. You'd so. rather face a team you know than a team you don't. That's my philosophy. I don't think San Francisco is that good, though. I don't think the, I think the defense is overrated. We will check back in oh, with you next yeah, week yeah, if you still yeah. feel the same way. That is a great banter there. Um, yeah, look, looking in, into this game, uh, I honestly think the, the key to the game is the, the Dallas defense because we haven't really seen uh, Purdy face adversity yet, um, and I'm – Excited to see what happens if they get pressured him. But that's if Dallas gets to him. I mean, the 49ers have a pretty solid offensive line. Um, but if they can get to him early, I think we can see an interesting game. Um, but you guys know how much I think this how great I think this 49ers team is. They're just deep all around. Um, and I think they're gonna be able to withstand Dallas. I think it's gonna be a very close game. I don't think it's gonna be a high scoring game. Uh, but I think the 49ers are going to walk away winning by maybe three or a, a touchdown at minimum. I think it's going to be a, a battle through and through. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas wins, but I just think for, the 49ers, as they showed many times before, are just going to be that great team and find a way to win. I think I have the uh, exact opposite prediction. I have San Fran walking away at least a 10-point victory in a high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because, but I, but but let me let me let me backtrack because I kind of buried the lead. I want to underscore why I think San Fran is the best team in the league. It's not that they can get Brock Purdy 
pressure and take him off his game because we kind of expect that in terms of a game plan to destabilize the rookie in a situ in a high stakes situation like this. But he has so many um, you know pressure valves to alleviate the pain um, in terms of the run game with McCaffrey and Ayuk and Samuel. I mean, and use check just like Desmond Price said. It's like. It, the, the, he has so many weapons that he just needs to stay out of his own way, and I just trust Shanahan in a circumstance like this well beyond McCarthy. It kind of feels like the nephew outsmarting the uncle, like running around him in circles, like playing games with the uncle and like teasing him when I see the two of them in comparison because it just seems that it's the new guard versus the old guard and McCarthy kind of represents what that team is meant to be, which is Dallas playing old school football, football ground and pound with play action. I just, it just seems like a mismatch um, fundamentally. And I just think that San Francisco's defense is, you know, is marketed up to what it could be. Like it's exactly what it's meant to be. Um, I think they are that good. And I think that this is probably the most clear cut decision in terms of um, a win out of the four games this weekend. The way yeah. I think about it is if the Raiders could do what they did to the 49ers, and Dallas could easily do that to the 49ers. And if any off, like the, the worst offense the 49ers wanted to face would be Dallas. If they, out of any of the options they could have faced, we are the best offense to break them down because of our weapons and our multifaceted, you know, ways of scoring. It's a very favorable matchup. If you think about it, it's, it's both offenses are mirror images of themselves in some degree. I don't see that at all, but you know, I don't I know what <laughs> this mirror looks like you're looking into. But... I don't know. I see Brandon. Iuk. I think Michael Gallup, I, you know, I see Brandon. Iuk. I think Michael Gallup, it's same similarities. I think a CD lamb. I, he's Michael Gallup, but not Brandon. Iuk. Uh, well, if you were looking before Michael uh, Michael Gallup tore his ACL, he was a better receiver well, than Brandon Ayuk, and he's going to have you know, to go on that ninety percent with that leg. Yeah, he, listen, he's playing well, and he's starting to finally heal up. He's playing well. CD Lamb outbeats both Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Dalton Schultz has a better season the last two years than George Kittle has, and Tony Pollard is oh, a same George Kittle. Season. George Kittle is the best tight end in the NFC for, and a he's always heard. And Dalton and Schultz, heard. but he hasn't been in the second half of the season, and yeah, especially okay. with his combination of Brock Purdy, those two are a great combo together. Yeah, and Dalton Schultz had almost 100 yards and two touchdowns last night, barely. You know, against the Buccaneers team that arguably didn't deserve to be yeah, but the the 49ers have played no one in the last 10 games. Brian, Brian, you're falling into the trap of coveting yourself as a Dallas Cowboy fan. Don't measure your your offensive success based on Tampa Bay's inability to play football. Well, I'm not doing that either. I I won't say last night. I will say this, though. The San Francisco (laughs) 49ers have played no one in the last 10 games of the season, and at least that at least being in the NFC East where we have legitimate like competition and playoff teams in, in our conference and in our schedule, like we beat Detroit, like there, they were were near the playoffs teams. They were a hard team to beat. Like there's a lot of teams that we beat that are of competent caliber that you could say that was a good win. I see better wins by Dallas this year than San Francisco. 
I appreciate your confidence, but I think it's going to lead. I, I don't care if you see it with your girlfriend as the good luck charm or your family. Listen, my whole life I've watched is the Cowboys going to embarrass themselves in the wild card round or the divisional round. And this is going to be another example of them embarrassing themselves in the divisional round. This is a much better 49ers team that is giving credit. I think Nick Bosa will literally hit a hit Dak Prescott's helmet off. I see the 49ers winning by at least 10 as well as Alex. And um, there's a reason why they're the best team in the NFC right now. And it's going to be legit. I'm sorry, bro, but I don't see the Cowboys <laughs> having a chance. I got to have some hope. I got to have some. Hope. You know, the irony of this moment that after all year of him, you know, just like yeah. knocking out his own team, <laughs> the time that he finally gets behind his team, we are all crushing him right now. Okay. He's a good sport. He's a good sport. And we appreciate I know, that. I know what's going to happen. I've, I've been I've been doing these picks all season long on the hypotheticals, and I've really looked at the tape. And the team to beat San Francisco that has the best chance would be the Dallas Cowboys that they could play. Hurts, it, my, still hurt, it still hurts me because, like, Brian is the most lovable, likable person in the world, but he just loves the worst team ever. <laughs> I'm I'm relevant though. That's a, a lot of teams. A lot of teams can't say that I'm relevant. We'll give you that. We'll give you that. But we appreciate you being a good sport in this, and I Always. think it's going to be a fun game either way. But that's it, gentlemen. Divisional divisional weekend is right up upon us. It was a very fun and good wild card weekend. And we will have a lot to talk about recording Monday and we release to the public on Tuesday. But I appreciate each and every single one of you. That's Brian McKee and Desmond Price, Alex Rinelli and Alex Young. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Let us enjoy the soon to be historic week of fo- weekend of football. It was a good conversation and productive conversation. Damn, I think you guys fucking sucked in this show. Now I'm playing. You know how much love I have for each and every single one of you. Great job, Brian. Great job, Alex. Great job, Ranelio. And great job, Desmond. This was a very, very good show. I appreciate it. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out on the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdCovalPod, we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So we're switching it up next week. And for the rest of the NFL season, shows are going to air on Tuesday now instead of Wednesday. Our reaction and previews for the rest of the postseason will be released on Tuesday mornings. So, you know, at midnight. So you don't want to miss it. And I will reward you if you don't. Thank you to Alex Ranelio, Alex Young, Desmond Price, and Brian McKeon. Thank you to Alex DeJesus as well. And thank you to the greatest fans and listeners in the world for supporting us and always giving us love. And I hope we reward you with special programming as we always will and we will always try and we will always succeed. So don't forget to check in on your friends and family. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast and I'll see you next week. Much love, everybody. Peace.